Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. What I've been doing is actually helping people achieve the success that they want like to get. And when they achieve it, they're more than willing through reciprocity to help me achieve the success that I'm looking for. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Kenneth Gills. Hello, Kenneth. Hey, Joe, how's it going, buddy? And hello, best listeners ever. How y'all doing today? Doing really well, and I'm channeling them, and they're just fantastic because they're chomping at the bit waiting to hear your advice and learn more from you. And I know just right before we started recording, I was already taking notes. So best ever listeners, you're in for a treat tonight or today or this morning, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. A little bit about Kenneth. He's been doing real estate for 12 years and he's doing gross revenue in excess of $1 million a quarter. He's placing about two deals under contract a week. He does residential and commercial investing and is based out of Baltimore, Maryland. Unique thing about him, in addition to the incredible success that he's had so far and continues to have in real estate is how he operates his business. And he'll get into that in a little bit, but just from a high level, he has a team of highly trained real estate professionals who live and work for him full time in the Philippines. So he's taken the concept of virtual assistants to the next level and and excited to hear him talk about that and how we can all scale our business that way. So with that being said, Kenneth, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, sure. Great. Thank you uh, for this opportunity. A little bit about my background. I'm from the humble uh, you know, areas in Baltimore. Sort of a pull myself up by the bootstrap kind of guy. Joined 
the military, uh, traveled the world, uh, got out, worked for the White House on Andrews Air Force Base, uh, then saw one of those Carlton Sheets commercials uh, late at night, talk about, hey, you know, do some real estate investing. I went in and gave it 110%, fired my boss, and been knocking it out ever since. What branch of the military were you in? Navy. Well, thank you first and foremost. Thank you for your service. Oh, no, thank you. It was a, it was a privilege and an honor, uh, really a, a life changer for myself. It got me uh, exposure, uh, helped me to understand true definition of teamwork, commitment, and pushing yourself to the next level and understanding that at many times you want to go further physically, but it's your mind that will prevent you. So training and honing in on that mind is the most important part I learned when I was in the service. And let's talk a little bit about this virtual assistant stuff. So tell us your model. What's going on with it? Joe, it's it's awesome. So basically what I have is my model. Um, I noticed that there was a choke point in dealing with deals. So I would do a lot of marketing, direct mail marketing, and the choke point came about where there were too many calls coming in. So I could only do a a certain number of mailings because I could only take a certain number of calls. And I had to go look at the properties, place them on the contract. And meanwhile, I'm out there. My phone is still ringing. Uh, for new leads coming in, but I can't answer them because I'm actually out with a client. So I started understanding what outsourcing was. And a little bit over three years ago, I built an outsourcing team in the Philippines. So basically what I have is a staff that ranges between eight and 10 uh, of employees there that work for myself full time. We do on average anywhere from five to 10,000 mailing pieces every 30 to 45 days. Uh, these go out, they answer all the calls, they're tracked, they screen, they can submit contracts uh, to those who call in. They send me the ones that are ready to move forward. So uh, myself and my partners here in the U.S. only deal with leads that have already been qualified and are highly motivated and ready to go to close. How do you begin as somebody starting out and wanting to start scaling their business with virtual assistants? What's the first step? The first step is finding out what piece do you want to outsource? What I did first was I wrote down all of the things that I do in my business. Then I wrote down what is it I like to do. My strength is negotiating and going out there. So what I don't do well, I outsource. So what I don't do well and found that is not the best and highest use of my time was actually taking in the calls, finding out what they were looking for, engaging their motivation. That's where I went online and I started out with Elance and Odess. And eventually I found someone that was very knowledgeable and understood and he already had a background in sales. So then I took that individual, him and I have been working together. We built an office uh, in his home where we have eight separate computers. Each computer has his own headset and microphone and they work around the clock taking in the leads that we get in. Our leads come through Callfire, which is a system that I use to track the calls. They get forwarded through Skype. We have a high Wi-Fi internet service over there. They screen them, take the information down, and they send me the leads back via another software called Asana, which is a free app that you can use and which we use as a way to track our leads. How much do they cost on an hourly basis or do you pay them salary? Yeah, that's a great thing. What I've found is that hiring VAs, it can range from anywhere from $3 to $7 an hour for a VA. The way I have my system set up is that I get my whole entire team for $7.50 an hour. And that's $7.50 an hour for all seven. 
But what I do is for every deal that I close, they get a commission of between $250 and $500 per deal that I go to close. So they're more so motivated to get the deals to go to close, which is a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. And does the leader, the team lead that you were mentioning earlier, is he or she responsible for managing all of them? And do you have one point of contact? Yes, that's something that I had to learn to help improve my system. I do have one point of contact. He manages the team and makes sure that everybody is trained and reports to me. So him and I have conversations throughout the day as to the efficiency of the team and tracking and monitoring the leads as they come in. So let's talk about the deals that you're doing. I mean, you're placing two deals under contract a week. Where are they at and what type of deals are they? So the deals that I'm placing under contract, they're, they're somewhere in D.C., and the others are in Baltimore and some in Maryland counties. Uh, these deals range in, we just got one house. It was, we got it for $50,000. We wholesaled it for a quick 60. And one of my clients purchased it uh, from us for 60 and it appraised at $124,000. And so is it mostly wholesaling deals? Or are you doing fix and flip? Or are you doing buy and hold? I'm doing a variety. I'm doing some fix and flip and some wholesale. Um, just due to the volume of deals that come in, I can't rehab everyone that comes through and I can't wholesale everyone that comes through. So it's basically depending upon what my business is looking for and those that I work with, what they're looking for. And how are you getting the leads? I know you, you mentioned you sent a massive amount or your team sends out a massive amount of mailing pieces, five to 10,000, basically once a month. Where are you getting these addresses from? Oh, great. Yeah, so I look on like lead lists and various different sources for uh, Haynes data for non-owner occupied or owner occupied uh, leads. I take these leads right here and then I find the ones that are more highly motivated, whether it's the amount of days that the person has owned or amount of years they've owned the property or amount of equity in the property. And I use that uh, and cross-represent with areas that are in high demand. What are some of the sources, again, that we could go to and get access to similar data like that? Right. So I may go to melissadata.com. That's one that I'll go to and get my list from. There is one called SRDS. Uh, that's a list data source right there. There's also a Haynes directory, which is another one. So there are a few different ones that I go and let them know what I'm looking for. And I'm looking for leads that people will will have motivation. And usually they'll have motivation if they're non-owner occupied. I prefer to go with non-owner occupied because there's less emotional attachment between the investor and the actual property. So sometimes I'll find someone who owns a home in Maryland and they may actually live in California. And so they may be more open to selling a house because they're renting it out and they would like to get rid of it, but they don't know what's the first step or how to go about it. What does your direct mailing piece say? They usually say, uh, hello, um, we were like, we were interested in purchasing your house. We never say home. Home has a, dis- a different emotional attachment to it. Ah, interesting. Right. If you say home, a person doesn't sell a home, they sell a house. People move into a home. So I let them know that we would like to buy your house uh, and that we would give you all cash and close within two weeks. And then I put at the end, please call or text. And I give a number. I found that I've gotten uh, an increased response rate by putting in please call or text because not everybody feels comfortable calling. Some will like to text you just to find out more about you first before that first phone call. 
how does that work with virtual assistants when you get text messages in the Philippines? Well, because I use callfire.com uh, as my means of uh, communication, if you send a text to callfire.com, they will email that text message to my VAs in the Philippines as well as to myself. And then they can respond via email, which sends it back to text? Well, they can actually log into my Callfire account and respond to that text message with a text message. Got it. It's received as a text message, but they're typing it on their computer. Exactly. They're typing it on their computer. And a text message may say, um, so someone may text, say, hey, how did you get my information? Uh, what are you willing to offer? And then we would say, we got your information from public records. Can we give you a call so we can give you a fair price? So we want to get the conversation off the text line to a conversation as quick as possible. Got it. I'm blown away by the amount of mailing pieces you send out. What's the response rate with that? Right. The response rate right now with direct mail is about five to eight percent. So per thousand, I'm going to get anywhere from 50 to 80 calls. It doesn't mean that everyone's calling and saying they want to sell. Some are calling to yell at you and say bad things. But that's it comes to business. And the beautiful thing is I have my team in the Philippines handling those calls for me. So I'm only focusing on the um, ones that are looking to sell right away. From that thousand, on average, I get two to three deals per thousand. That's two to three people that are looking to sell right away. From there, there's usually one or two more deals that come from follow-up, which is very important. And that's where having my team helps support me because they're able to follow up with them. So some would say, I'm not looking to sell now, but maybe in a few weeks or maybe in 30 days. Well, my team will give them a call back in 30 days. And that's where another percentage actually come to close. When your team in the Philippines is talking to an individual on the phone, is there a language barrier? No, matter of fact, they never even know that they're talking to someone in the Philippines. The way I have my office set up over there is we have high-speed internet access, and there's no lag time in the conversation. When they're speaking to someone in the Philippines, they'll, like one of my friends, he'll mention that his name is John. And then when John is talking to them on the phone, he'll say, okay, great, my business partner will be out on Wednesday to see the house. When I go out to see the house, he said, oh, yeah, I talked to John, pretty cool guy. So I may ask him, so what would you think? Did everything go well? I like to find out how my staff is working. He said, oh, John was very helpful, pretty decent guy. I'm just glad we're here and finally able to meet to help sell my house. So they never have any idea that the person is in the Philippines. When you get to that conversation, because you personally are very down in the funnel of the whole process, which is great because you're kind of the closer. What has happened in the past where you haven't closed, but they've gotten, it seems like, wow, if it comes to me, then they're motivated because we got a good team in place. Why don't they close? Sometimes people don't close because it may not be the best time of the year for them, meaning that some rather close when I found when it gets closer to wintertime. During the springtime, some people feel that they're going to market it on their own and they feel that the market is picking up and they're asking for more than what the property is worth. So that's when it's best for us to keep them in the funnel and follow up with them around September. September, October, they may be more motivated. And that's where the other leads follow through. Sometimes when I come up to the house and they aren't ready to sell or go to close, 
it may just be that it's two people, a husband and a wife or a family that's not in 100 percent agreement to sell. Some parts may want to sell and some may not. That's when it's good to go out and build a rapport, let them get to see your face. You know, they can put behind the phone conversation, get to know you personally. Um, and then I've found that I'm able to close deals later on from that process as well. Everything doesn't happen on the first visit. So, you know, it's a relationship process. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever will be this, that real estate is a people business. Although we're buying and selling houses, it's really about people and relationships. And when a person understands that, then they'll understand that you're solving a problem, a people problem. This so happen to have a house associated with that. So many times investors come into this business and feel that they're just looking at the profit, just looking at the bottom line, and they feel like, I got to get this house on contract today. I got to do this right now. But it doesn't always work out that way because it's a people business. If you build a rapport and the person feels like you genuinely care and you really do, they'll come back if they're not ready to sell that time. How do you build rapport? I build rapport by really having a genuine interest in what the, what the other person's story is. I like to ask them about the house, how long have they been in the area, get the person to talking. When I get a person talking, I end up learning a lot about themselves, about the house, and about the community that I wouldn't have known any other way. When a person begins to open up and talk, then I find out more about them. And many times I find another way I can help that person out. There was once a house in Baltimore that I had was wholesaling this house and the person found out that I was wholesaling it. So they give it to me and they put it on the contract for, say, 40000 I was wholesaling it and was going to make a quick 20000 on the deal. They found out that I was wholesaling it because the buyer came through to look at the house and they stopped the person and said, hey, you can look at that house. You know, Kenneth's going to buy the house. And he said, I know I'm buying it from Kenneth. And they called me up and he was upset. They felt like they'd been tricked. I went over there to go meet them. And I got to tell you, Joe, when I got there, it was like a family reunion. It was about 12 people at the house. <laughs> so I got there and I said, okay, let's see how this story ends <laughs> right here. So I pull up, I get out, Joe, and I'm talking to them. And w- let me rephrase that. I'm the only one talking. They're just listening. With their arms crossed and shaking their head. <laughs> We're all looking at the sky, looking at the sidewalk. They're hot, right? And so I jump up, my car, Joe, and I'm saying, hey, hey, everybody, how's it going? What's going on, everybody? What's, what's, what's happening? Nobody said anything. All I heard was crickets. I said, come on, what's going on? And that's all I heard was crickets. And then the person who I signed a contract with, she was upset. She said, Kenneth, we gave you this house because we thought it was going to be a good deal for you, so forth and so on. The very first thing I jumped to, Joe, was I said, well, I tell you what, if you would like, I can figure out a way to help you out. Because I knew I was making 20000 on it. So I said, hey, if you like, I could you know, buy some big screen TVs. I mean, I got I can get you a few of those. Those would be pretty nice. So I'm thinking I would spend, you know, thousand or two or two thousand on some big screen TVs and that people were like that and that would work things out. This is early on in my career. Joe, all I did was agitate the situation. They got upset even more. And I was saying, hey, who doesn't want big screen TVs? They don't. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want them, Joe. They wanted my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, Ken, just think for a second. Think, think, think. 
And I just remember a conversation they mentioned earlier about their grandmother who lived a few blocks away and she had a problem with home vandalism and people breaking in to our house. I suggested that I can go and put some reinforced storm doors in the front of the house and some glass block windows around the basement of the house and at no cost to them. They loved it. They said, you would really do this for our grandmother? You would make her place more secure? I said, sure, I could do that right there. I just make a few phone calls and I have the back door and the front door changed with storm protective doors and the bottom windows all around the house replaced with glass block windows. They went to closing. Everybody was happy. So what I learned was to listen to your orders. It's not about houses. It's not about profit. The money will come, but you got to solve a problem first. And the only way you can solve a problem is to listen. And that's what I learned in that situation. One other way to fortify grandma's house if that comes up again is my brother's got a company called Door Devil and it stops people from kicking down your door. It's like a metal reinforcement within the door frame. Oh, yeah, that would have helped as well. <laughs> <laughs> that would, they would have loved that as well. I wish I knew them when that happened because I would have called them up to get to hire them for their services. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round, Kenneth? Yes, sir. I'm ready, Joe. Let's knock it out. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Empire Industries provides frustration-free property management by investors for investors by managing your tenants, toilets, and turmoil. Invest in the hottest market in the country by contacting them today for two months free management fees. Call them at 888-866-6727. All right, Kenneth, best ever book you've read. The best ever book I read would have to be Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio and I know you like that book. You can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free book just like that or that book, an audio version. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. When one of my old mentors told me that you can get anything in life you want if you help enough people get what they want. And I actually found you know, where he got that quote from and I found it to be true. So what I've been doing is actually helping people achieve the success that they want like to get. And when they achieve it, they're more than willing through reciprocity to help me achieve the success that I'm looking for. Oh, I love that. We were talking earlier. That's 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 my stance too. Was it Zig Ziglar? Was he the original one? Yeah, he was. He was the original one to say that, Zig Ziglar. Yeah, what a great quote. So true. It sure is. It's powerful. I mean, that one quote right there, or that one from experience, when my old mentor shared that with me, at the first, I didn't understand it because I had a full-time job. And working a nine to five, that's not the philosophy in the workplace. Usually in the workplace, it's, you know, how can I get ahead? What can I do? I need to get a promotion. You know, there's a lot of people in the office, but only one promotion. So it's very cutthroat and backstabbing. It's not a, you know, pay it forward type of environment. So when I first heard that quote and then I learned and read other quotes from Zig Ziglar, that's when I really began to understand that's how the wealthy truly mass entertain wealth is by helping people in large amounts. Best ever success habit you practice? Becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
Because to truly achieve success, one has to be uncomfortable. You have to do something different than what you've done yesterday. Because there are certain things I want to achieve and want to get. And I'm not currently at that place. If I was, I would already have it. So that means something has to change. I have to get outside my comfort zone. So the best habit that I've had to do daily is do things that are outside of my comfort zone. What's one specific example? In the beginning, I used to hate running. So what I would do, Joe, is in the morning, I would get up. And when I first got into real estate investing, I would actually go to sleep with like a jogging suit. Oh, God. (laughs) Was it neon? Tell me it was a good neon color. I wasn't close. You got a headband on? A a neon headband? We're not going back to the 80s, Joe. That was the headband. (laughs) That's what I had pictured. That's what I had pictured. (laughs) And I got the headphones on with the styrofoam cup on the side. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to go back that far, but I did have the uh, shorts on, right? And so what I would do, I would put my running shoes right next to my bed. So as soon as I wake up, my feet would go right into my shoe. So I had a choice. I was either going to not take my feet out of the shoe and not run, or I was going to. I made it, I conditioned myself to do something that I didn't want to do, which was get up and go run a mile. So after I would go running and come back, I felt more comfortable. I was training myself with doing things that was uncomfortable for me to do. I was training myself to to go and speak to people because usually in life, you don't go up to a person and ask them how much is their mortgage. You know, that's like kind of personal. You're like, I don't want to ask them how much their mortgage is. But as a real estate investor, you do that all the time. I was training myself how to deal with rejection. You know, usually the only time I had to deal with rejection was when I went to a nightclub and asked someone for a number. You know, that's the only time I had to do. And believe me, I got my fair share of rejection in that right there. You and I both, my friend. <laughs> right. But when it comes down to real estate investing, I had to become more comfortable with rejection. So I ha- what I would do is I'd carry around a stack of about 50 business cards and I wouldn't allow myself to come home until all business cards were gone. So that means I had to walk up to people, tell them about myself and give them a business card to get myself comfortable with talking to people that I didn't know. You should have worn your neon jumpsuit whenever you ask them for their number. <laughs> yeah, I should have did that right there. <laughs> that would have been a, a definitely a sight right there that they wouldn't have forgotten. <laughs> Best ever deal you've done. Best ever deal I've done. There was a house in Baltimore that I bought and sold and we made hot I mean, like 12000 on it. That really wasn't the part that made it the best. What made it the best is seven years later, someone called me and told me that the person who I bought that house from was their mother. And their mother had passed away. And she owned a number of properties. And she told them that if they wanted it before she died, they wanted a fair shake on the houses or deals to give me a call. I got to tell you, Joe, that put a lump in my throat because as I'm sitting here on the phone hearing this from the family of the previous seller, I couldn't believe what I was listening to. That told me that I did, which was the most important thing for me, which is doing good business. That the family actually called me and took me out to all the houses that they own and asked me what is the fair price that they could sell it to me for. I actually had one of my students with me at the time and he witnessed it. And he got to see firsthand, this is what this is about. It's about changing lives, improving people's lives, being impactful, and doing good work. Because that lives on. Those good deeds live on. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? The best project I'm most excited about right now is that 
Right now, we're creating a movement in the area, the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area right now, where we want to have this group become the most successful investors in the area. And right now, we're tracking everyone's deals and leads. Uh, last year, we had a total of gross revenue of over $10 million that we've done. This year, we're looking to exceed that as a group. And so, to me, that's creating change. That's creating a means of measuring the success of those that you're working with. So that would be the something I'm very proud of is the fact that we're really affecting and improving the lives of those in this area. Best ever way you like to give back? A year ago, I was asked to be the commencement speaker for a graduating class. Working with those high school students before my speech, I was able to learn something about them. And they kept asking me, you know, tell us something about you. How did you, you know, get to where it is that you are and what is it you do? And although I've gone to speak at schools, middle schools and high schools before, I found that one to be a little bit more challenging just because of I knew they wouldn't forget or maybe they would forget what I had to say. And I really wanted to say something that was very meaningful. So for me, the best way of giving back is through the youth and helping them to become smarter and brighter because they are our future. We talked about the Ziegler quote earlier. Let's see if it's the same one or if you got another one. What's the best ever quote? The best ever quote is something that I came up with a little while ago. It's not because I came up with it, I like it. It's just because it really helps me stay focused. And the quote is, don't get paid per hour, get paid per thought. If you want a pay raise, think higher thoughts. The reason why I like that quote so much is because it helps me channel and focus my thoughts on things that are positive, things that's going to help me solve, more focus on solutions to the problems. So whenever I'm in a jam or I feel like, what am I going to do or how I'm going to solve this? I have to ask myself, am I thinking higher thoughts? Are my thoughts bigger than a problem that I'm facing? What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? The biggest mistake I made in real estate Joe is not understanding market cycles. In the beginning, when I got into real estate, Joe, I thought real estate was going to be like the land of milk and honey. I thought I was going to just make money and it wasn't going to stop. Nothing would get in my way, right? But then something happened called the Great Recession. Then what I started to understand was that there's many recessions and then that there are ups and downs and that there's better times in a year to buy a house than there are and better times in a year to sell a house. And what I began to understand was market cycles. So that way I knew what was a good deal, not from the perspective of someone selling it to me, but from a much larger perspective. I guess I would say it's sort of like in the beginning, I was a turtle. Later on, I became a giraffe. In the beginning, as a turtle, I'm only looking at what's in front of me. Later on, as a giraffe, I'm looking at the horizon. So now I'm able to understand what's going to happen in the market now, this year, next year, and next few years by looking at market cycles. What's the best ever way to reach you? The best ever way to reach me is through Facebook or through sending me a text message. Someone can text me at 301-442-9177. That's 301-442-9177. Or they can reach me on Facebook at Kenneth M. Gills. Or if you're in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area, you can go to, you've got a really successful meetup. How do they find that? Yeah, you just Google BWI Meetup. 
and you'll see all that information comes up. It's huge and it's absolutely free to come in. That's what helps separate us. You get high quality information and it's free to come. And it's at the BWI Marriott. So it's a very nice venue, absolutely free to come in. It's on the second Wednesday of every month. We have guest speakers that talk about hard money lending, IRAs, fixing and flipping, wholesaling, you name it. And that's our way of giving back. Or you could wait till you receive one of those five to 10,000 mailing pieces at your doorstep. You can talk to those virtual assistants in the Philippines and then pretend to be a motivated seller. And then you'll just talk to Kenneth afterwards. <laughs> that's the long way. <laughs> that's the long way. If you just didn't want to text him. Yes, exactly. That's awesome, man. Kenneth, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about your business, how you've outsourced it and scaled it to do things that you want to do that you're best suited for and so that you know it ties back into your your quote about don't get paid by the hour get paid by the thought and i think that's enlightening and i i love your analogy too of market cycles with uh, the turtle versus the giraffe i never uh, first of all i love animals and those two are some really fun animals so anytime animal analogies are involved i'm just excited about that but I like the draft approach and thinking about the draft and looking at the horizon and then, you know, getting specific earlier when you're talking about the direct mail with your response rate of five to eight percent, you get 50 to 80 calls and some are saying, you know, I don't ever call me again. And but others are actually motivated sellers and your team's fielding those calls and then getting into the specifics also of how much a team costs seven dollars and fifty cents an hour plus commission based on closings. That way you have alignment of interests and everybody's pulling in the same direction and everybody has the same goal, which ultimately I, I think everybody should have team members. The I think the initial challenge that most people have is, well, I don't have money to pay for a team member. And if you get creative with how you structure, I mean, my goodness, I have a virtual assistant as well in the Philippines, maybe. It's through Odesk. And I pay him $3 an hour. And I think any investor can round up $3 an hour to outsource something. And it really is addicting as you gain more and more good virtual assistants, the the amount of work they do so that you don't have to. And just seeing their progress, I will say, I'm sure you'll agree that there is a, a testing period that is required. And it took me about... 10 different assistants to really find the best one. And you're, it's good that you have someone locally to kind of lead the charge on that. And that's one thing I've noticed. So thank you so much for being on the show. I, for whatever reason, my friend, I've got you pictured in a neon green jumpsuit with a headband. <laughs> that's right. I'm jogging, you know, with those throwback shorts. So then a little styrofoam headsets, walking with walkman or tape deck in there, right? <laughs> Next time I'm in DC, I'm going to attend your meetup and I, I'm going to be, I mean, I, I have to see that out. Like, I'm going to be very disappointed if you don't have it. But until then, thank you so much for sharing your advice and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for the best ever listeners. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos, templates and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 